0: So what is Barefaced Stories? <clears throat> Testing, one, two. Right. So, hi.
1: So this is my true story. Barefaced Stories is a show that me and my best mate put together. That's me, Andrew yeah. Gibbs. Kerry hey, Sullivan.
0: I honestly don't even know how to end the story. <laughs> like... Now we thought to
1: ourselves, how can a couple of lesbos make a baby on the cheap?
2: Here's my name and number. I think you're beautiful. <laughs> They say the clitoris is hard to find, but here it was, turning up in a suburban board game (laughs) in Glasgow in 2011. And then Stephen Fry says, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, and the show begins.
1: G'day, I'm Andrea Gibbs. I'm Kerry O'Sullivan, and you're
0: listening to the Bareface Stories podcast. Our stories are told live on a tiny stage. In in Perth. In a huge state. WA. In a massive country. Australia. Where no one can hear you scream. Or laugh. Or cry. Are you ready for this week's episode? You're going to need to be brave. Have you got some guts? Grow some balls. Our first story takes us to Bali. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Just like Eat, Pray, Love. Well, that's what it's like in the movies if you're Julia Roberts. But Bali is many different things to many different people, whether you go to detox or retox. It's kind of a rite of passage if you're an Aussie. And for some people, it's their first trip away from Mum's safe little nest. Well, it was for Michael Burke, and I don't
1: know how he managed to muster up the courage to ever leave Australia again after this.
2: Oh, hey. Uh, this is a story that happened to me about uh, seven or eight years ago. Uh, I was in university and it was my first year in university and I was uh, really excited because I'd made all these new friends. Uh, some, some of my friends from high school had decided that we were all going to go to Indonesia for a wicked holiday. And I was like, yeah, man, that's great. I really, I, I'd love to go there. And it was amazing because all my new friends from university had also organized to go at exactly the same time. So it was like this amazing thing where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be over there. I've got my new friends, got my old friends. It's going to be great. So um, I get on the plane and I've, uh, up until this point, I've only been to uh, New Zealand and Adelaide. So I, ha- I haven't really got any experience of the world, uh, and when I arrived in Indonesia, it was this kind of massive culture shock, nothing that I was used to, I was used to peaceful serenity or nothingness of Perth, uh, there, there were cars driving in every which way, people were yelling at me going, your name, Michael Yuba, Yuba, and I was like, "Ah, oh, f- oh, fuck, I shouldn't have told you my name, um, <laughs> and, and, and it, it smelled different, and I wasn't used to it, and I, I just wasn't used to anything, and I felt really out of place. Um, And I I got into my hotel and I was kind of feeling a bit off, um, but thought, hey, I'm going to make the most of this. I'm here with my friends. It's going to be great. So first night out, uh, we all decide to go out to a a bar and I meet all my friends there and it's this great night. Um, And I'm still feeling really, really uneasy. And then uh, I'm at the bar and I start talking to these three Indonesian guys and they were amazing. There were these amazing people, and I chatted with them, I bought them drinks, they bought me drinks, and it was just this awesome time uh, until I started to feel uh, really woozy, uh, and I started to lose control of myself. Um, At this point in time, my friends were up in different areas of the bar, and they didn't even notice what I was doing at that time. Uh, It was then when I uh, realized that I was being kind of taken out of this bar by these three uh, men, Uh, and put onto a scooter, and I was being kidnapped. Um, Which, on hindsight, being kidnapped on a scooter is really embarrassing. (laughs) But I will say I was drugged, so I've got that on my side. So, they take me um, to this house, and um, I'm panicking in whatever state that I can panic. Uh, and trying to remember where I'm going because in my drug-addled mind, I figured, I've got you guys. When I get out, I'm going to remember exactly how I got here. I'm going to find you. And all I remember is a tree. <laughs> so I get to this house. They, uh, I, I get taken into this room. I get tied to a chair. Um, all my money got taken from me. All my belongings or my phone and everything get stripped from me and I'm just tied to this chair while these three men are speaking in a language that's completely unknown to me around me. Um, so I'm kind of slowly coming to. I, I think overall, I was after a f- fair few hours, I started coming to, and I remembered some great advice my mum always gave me, because my mum, I'm an only child of a single parent, um, and she cares a lot about me. So from a very early age, she was always distributing tips of how to get my way out of situations, like, for example... By the age of, I think, two or three, I could say, my name is Michael Burke. I live at 3 Joyner Street, Melville, and my phone number is 93306156, which was really great when I ran away to go visit the ducks one day, and I got found by police. And the other advice that she gave me, which is a weird advice for mum, was if you ever get kidnapped, to try and reason with these people and try and, like, be, like, nice to them. So... I was at um, university at the time, I was uh, at Notre Dame, and uh, part of Notre Dame is you had to study ethics and uh, philosophy and theology. So I was taking those units at the time and I thought, great, I, 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 I realized that uh, the, the Indonesian country is a very religious country. So I, I, I decided to start talking about religion and, and morals and trust and ethics and values and I just was rabbiting whatever, whatever I'd learned in the probably six or seven weeks prior <laughs> um, so i'm I'm just jabbering away and, and and they're all laughing at me. They just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed until one guy just all of a sudden stopped laughing, and he just snapped uh, and just out of nowhere, he just says, "I am sorry, i am sorry i'm so i 'm so sorry we do this to you and I'm so sorry and unties me, puts me back on the scooter, uh, and um, says, where you stay, where you stay, Uh, and I say at the White Rose, and he he drives me quite kindly to my hotel door, (laughs) throws me off the scooter and drives off, to which I was presented with a guard with a machine gun, because it was just after the Bali bombings, uh, which freaked me out even more. Um, so then I'm in this very crazy mind, I'll admit that I was crying hysterically like a child. Um, and I run into my room to where my friends are sleeping quite quietly. Um, and I kind of just tucked myself into bed, shaking, because I just didn't know what to do really. And they woke up the next morning, they're like, Oh, got lucky last night, and I was like... <laughs> um... So then I tell them and they kind of freak out and they're telling me to go to the the police and I, at that time, was just like, I don't trust anything. I just just want to stay here and not do anything. And they're like, well, you have to call your mum. And I'm like, I can't call my mum because if I call my mum, she'll come here and she'll kidnap me for a second time (laughs) and take me back to Australia. So I spent a couple of days uh, on that trip, or most of them out of my ten days that I was there, locked in my hotel room. Uh, When I did get back to Australia, my mum was like, are you okay? Because allegedly, I, she only told me this like three weeks ago when I told her I was telling this story. She was like, when you were calling, you were calling like every day. And you never talk to me every day. <laughs> and and she, she figured something was wrong. And I was like, yeah. And after a little while, I was like, oh, I got kidnapped. And she was like, oh, if you told me I would have been on the next plane, I would have taken you right back. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that's why I didn't tell you. Um, so I... That's really... Uh, the story of how I got kidnapped. I did learn a few things out of it, which I can kind of tell you. Um, One was, it was a pretty shitty thing to happen, but it's kind of cool now, because I can say I got kidnapped and not many people (laughs) can really say that. And, And I guess the other reason is, now I feel very comfortable walking down any alley at any time because I figure lightning will strike twice. Thank you.
0: I've got a question for you. How many women do you know have proposed to their partners? And I'm, I'm not talking about the gay women that we know.
1: No, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but that was putting me under pressure a little bit. Anyway, Proposing marriage, rightly or wrongly, is still often seen as the man's job, a romantic gesture and a rite of passage to get the girl and start your life together.
0: Oh, what a fairy tale. Blows my mind that this, in this day and age, more women aren't proposing to their partners. Hey, Have you heard of a thing called ladies' privilege? No. Well, it's the one day of the year. <laughs> a nun in Ireland came up with this. It's the one uh-huh. day... In the year that women are allowed to propose to men and it's uh, it's february 29th <laughs> yep which is a leap year so that's one day of the year every four years oh fantastic that's about as often as
1: we get equal pay <laughs> yeah. okay so a woman getting down on bended knee is just not an idea that most people consider i say most people this is ada chung with her story <laughs>
3: So I asked my boyfriend, Steve, what he wanted as his dowry. And he responded, two pieces of silver, two goats, a bar fridge, and your undying love. Steve is Indian. And we were just having a laugh. But I wrote it down anyway. And I folded it up and tucked it in my wallet. And I forgot about it. Um, It was pretty much one year ago, almost one year exactly, I was riding in a car with my boss and we were going to check out furniture from um, Gumtree. And she was asking me questions about my future. And she was like, oh, so when are you going to get married? And I said, oh, whenever Steve asks me, and she being the true feminist that she was, she's like, what? You're going to wait for him to ask you? Why don't you ask him? And I got these flashes of um, YouTube clips that I'd seen. It was like, girl proposes to Guy, fail. You know, <laughs> desperate girl, ask Guy to marry her, rejected. And I was like, no way, that's not happening. I'm not going to do that. Um, but... You know, I I had this romantic idea of how I was going to get proposed to. It was going to involve big open fields with flowers, um, background music playing, you know. It was going to be a romantic outpouring of love and, um, and there will be lots of fluffy, cute animals, lots of animals. And... Um, Steve is a lot of things, but he's not, like, a planner. He's more of a spontaneous type of guy. He's not one of those, you know, let's map it all out and, and make this beautiful thing happen. And so I kind of knew that if I wanted the proposal of my dreams that I might have to do it myself. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people have this switch in their heads which tell them that they're going overboard um, or that, you know, they're dreaming too big, but I don't have that switch. And so as I started to think about it, I remember that piece of paper in my wallet and I pulled it out. I was like, yes, that's totally it. I'm going to present him with his dowry. And that's how I'm going to propose to him. But that wasn't all. I'm going to also get a whole procession of people to help me do it, including a Chinese line dancing troupe. So the ding-ding-ding-ding-ding Chang-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding. Ding, 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 ding. Um, I'm going to get Bollywood dancers and I'm going to get Um, Bungra drummers to come along with me to help me present him with his dowry. And so the first step was to secure the venue and I knew exactly where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to Clancy's Fish Pub at City Beach on the balcony overlooking the ocean. It'd be beautiful and it was big enough for the Lion Troupe, the drummers and all all (laughs) his friends and family. Um, And so... I went to Clancy's one Saturday and I spoke to the manager there. Her name was Karen. I was like, "Hey, Karen, I'm going to propose to my boyfriend," and she's like, "Congratulations!" Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I started to tell her what I had in store, and she was getting more and more hesitant as I was mentioning everything that I had planned. Um, but she saw the crazy desire in my eyes and was like, "Ah." And uh, <laughs> and she said, "Okay, so." I'm not really hot on the goats in the restaurant, but tell you what, send an email with your plan and I'll talk to the owners. And so that night I got home, I sent the email and and the whole like run sheet and and I waited and I waited and I waited and there was no response and I was about to give up on her when she called and she goes, hey, I ran it past the owners and um, they weren't too keen on it, to be honest with you but um, their nephew was in town and he's a comedian and he thought it was bloody hilarious so we're going to let you do it. And um, (laughs) bloody hilarious was not what I was going for but I thought um, I thought I'd take it and um, it was only after a long long time I realised that the nephew was none other than Tim Minchin so I've got a lot to (laughs) thank him for. Yeah, um, and so then I went into full event mode because I do it for a living, and I was like, yes, okay. So, venue tick. Now the goats, and I called up. Um, I called up all the uh, petting zoos, and they were like, uh, sorry, but no, we can't do that. And one lady was like, bloody hell, love. <laughs> the goats are going to get freaked by those drums. They're lot—they're really jumpy, so you're not going to have much luck there. I was like, "Oh God!" Um, until I stumbled upon Barnyard Buddies, um, and they were not only keen on the idea, they also thought it was hilarious. Um, and they offered to play the goats um, "Chang Chang 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 Chang" on YouTube, so they'd become accustomed to. <laughs> The sound of it. Um, so then I registered myself as a gold and silver bullion trader with a Perth mint um, because I wanted to buy um, Steve a 10 ounce silver bar with his face engraved onto her <laughs> in profile. And so I did that, and I engraved his face uh, onto it. I got the line dancers and the bhangra dancers and the, and the Bollywood dancers to come together and rehearse. Um, and then I built a palanquin, which is basically, you know, like, guys hold it like this. And usually they've got the bride on the back of it, and they're carrying a bride. But I thought I'd nestle a bar fridge on it, and that worked really well. And so um, then came the day of the event, and... Um, I was offloading the palanquin from a ute from my friend's um, ute and it suddenly hit me that I would totally forgotten to do the most important thing Um, and that was what the hell am I going to do? to actually propose to Steve. Like, I, like what happens when he gets a ring? Like, what do I say? Do I come out? And like, hey, baby, uh, one knee. And I had totally neglected to consider that point. And I'd also totally neglected to consider the fact that he could absolutely say no to it. <laughs> so I was freaking out. I was freaking out. And um, I didn't know what... I was going to do, and it was then that the drums started, chang 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 chang, chang 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 and they all started proceeding on on cue um, through Clancy's Fish Pub at City Beach. Um, <laughs> so I followed them, like you know, I was behind the procession. Going up. And then I saw a pillar and I was like, perfect. And I went and hid behind a pillar. <laughs> and uh, so basically I was watching this procession happen and my friends in Bollywood costumes hand Steve a goat <laughs> and a silver bar and he's just standing there like... Uh, um, and I'm cowering behind a pillar, watching this all take place. And so the Bollywood dancers were, like, you know, dancing around. And, and then I knew what was coming next. Next was a lion dance, and the lion was going, and um, it was reaching its climax and getting louder and louder and louder. And I knew what was coming. It went, chang ta chang, chang ta chang, chang ta chang, chang 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 chang. And out from the lion's mouth came a box. Um, and Steve offloaded the goat um, and (laughs) he took the box and as if it was slow motion, he opened the box, he saw the ring and at this point I'm like, this is your time to shine, Ada. But I stood there and I was frozen solid in that one spot Um, and I saw him looking amongst the crowd, searching me out and stepping forward. Um, and as he approached me and he saw me, he was crying and he was nodding and I knew there was nothing left to do. Thank you.
1: Silly <laughs> was not the same for my mum and dad. Dad, salt of the earth Aussie farmer, he proposed to mum <laughs> out by the water tank on the farm one night. His big proposal was, what do you reckon, McQueen, should we get married? To which mum said... I suppose so, Barry. And then he followed it up with a corker and he said, well, you can have an engagement ring
0: or a washing machine. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Bearface Stories next week, Lost in Translation, where we learn that everyone just wants to be understood stories live shows are put together by Andrea Gibbs and Kerry O'Sullivan and recorded by Chris Wright at the Bird in Perth's nightclub district our music is by Odette Mercy and the Soul Atomics our technical producer and editor is Amber Cunningham leave us a review on iTunes and we can keep bringing you some more fantastic stories